Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I am Liz Loza and I am welcoming back Dalton. Deldon, Dalton, you witnessed the start of the Nick Mullins era. You got to still be floating on cloud nine, right? Hello, Liz. It's good to be back. Yes, what a scene that was. I was actually sitting in between two Raider fans. Mm. Not only Raider, I mean, my friends I took to the game with me, but not only that, they talked themselves into picking them in Survivor just because they happened to be there. Just totally dumb. What a disaster that was if you're a Raider fan. Other On the other side, yeah, Nick Mullins, pretty fun. I mean, just a fun kid to root for, studied hard and all the, the interviews afterward and stuff. So yeah, pretty, pretty exciting. And now actually, the NFL, in their wisdom, they love to to schedule these NFL teams in back-to-back primetime spots. The only games I'm going to this year happen to be the Thursday night or Monday night game. So I'll be there again and see him against the Giants (laughs) this week. So uh, we'll see if he goes back and turns into a pumpkin right away or not. Are you thinking that Mullins is going to fare well against those Giants who are having a fire sale, particularly on defense? Yeah, it's another good spot. And Mullins is known, I guess he studies like crazy. Even they say that he knows the playbook even more than Shanahan. Doesn't have the greatest arm. And obviously there's more film on him. But I think this matchup is okay, and Shanahan will probably scheme him to get his players in the right position. I mean, George Kittle dominating no matter who's throwing to him, and Marquise Goodwin looks healthy. So I don't know. I kind of like Mullins as a, in a 2QB kind of a, a streamer type moving forward. I could see it given that system. Well, there are four teams on by, so it's not the craziest of thoughts. And another thing about Mullins, he is a coach's kid, so he's used to um, studying. All positive things, all the, his teammates and, and all his coaches just have great things to say about him. But in the national spotlight for the second time in a row, I mean, anything can happen here. We'll, we'll see. But it's definitely a, an interesting story and uh, someone, like I said, definitely easy to root for. Well, you have him ranked as your QB 20 on the week. So I think that's some definite bias melting in there. Although Brad Evans has him as QB 15 as never to be a team huevos is never to be outdone. I have him as the QB 23 on the week. So we'll see what happens. But let's not make this Nick. Mullins tonight. Sometimes Dalton fantasy football brings out complicated relationships that you have to work through. And I know that you and I both have some it's complicated thoughts about Leonard Fournette and Sony Michelle. They're both expected to return, though nothing is crystal clear. How are you advising fantasy owners moving forward? 
you'd love to have a wait and see approach with these in ideal world, but certainly not today's landscape in the running back situation and with the buys, as you said previously. So I have them both as, as RB2s, assuming they're active, obviously, for Net and, and Michelle, not the, the greatest matchups for either of them. Uh, but if you've if you have them on your team and they're active, I mean, you, you got to roll with them. But at DFS terms, I mean, I, I'd really like to see how close they are to full health. Uh, it, it's been a while for each of them. Agreed. What about Dalvin Cook? I mean, he did pop off a 70-yard run last week, but he was supposed to be eased in. I felt like he was on the field more than any of us anticipated. You have to imagine that he's going to build on last week, right? Yeah, I was ready to use Latavius Murray in DFS last week and all my lineups until Cook. I don't know why they played him with one right before their bye mm-hmm. when he kept in- injuring himself like in pregame warmups too. But the, the crazy thing is and on during that long run, he recorded the fastest game speed by any ball carrier right. last week. So, I mean, right. obviously the hamstring is f- feeling better. Now they have that. Uh, so I, I, I think Cook is uh, now, now they have that buy. So so Cook is going to be a guy I would want to target and, and, and love to have him on my fantasy down, fantasy team down the stretch. I mean, he was getting all the work he could handle when he was healthy as a rookie and healthy the, the brief periods this year. So he could be a major difference maker down the stretch. Yeah, I just worry about week 11 coming off the buy because people are going to be so excited to see him build on that 70 yard effort that I mentioned. But he's at Chicago and we know that Khalil Mack, Mack is getting healthier. But I think the cherry on the top for Cook is that he's at Detroit in week 16. So if you can make it to your fantasy Super Bowl, you have to imagine that Cook will run all over a defense that's making golf plans. Sure, that matters most. That'll be huge there if he's healthy for that one. Indeed. All right. Big news. Des Bryant, he's now a saint. What are you making of it? Cam Meredith on IR. So maybe Ryan Pace wasn't such an idiot for, <laughs> um, quote, bungling the Cameron Meredith situation. Perhaps he knew something that the Saints did not. But regardless, right. Des is on this team. I think you look at the impact to Traquan Smith most immediately. there's a lot going on here. We never really want to hype a player who's changed teams past the midway point of the season, but the Saints offense is firing on all cylinders. I worry about volume mostly. If you take a look at Drew Brees' passing attempts before Mark Ingram returned, he was averaging more than 40 pass attempts per game. After Mark Ingram returned over the past four weeks, under 30 pass attempts per game. Now, whether that's because they're running the ball or because the defense has stiffened or a combination of the both, perhaps. Regardless, I just don't think, I mean, even Traquan has only had like three catches a game. We know he's explosive, so he's doing a lot with those opportunities. But do we expect Dez to be that much more explosive when Sean Payton says he needs him to lose five pounds? That's a good point about Meredith and the medicals, by the way. I'd forgotten about that. So it turns out the Saints were burnt by being so so flippant about those, you know, the earlier reports that weren't so so positive about his long-term outlook. As for Dez, I mean, I I guess in deeper leagues, obviously you're adding him. I don't really see the point of the Saints. I don't I don't think he's needed. I mean, not, not like Meredith was doing anything when he was, you know, not on the IR. So I guess in deeper leagues, stash him. But personally, I have not been rushing out to waiver wire in any mm-hmm. leagues. I just really hope this doesn't take away any targets from Traquan Smith. Certainly not this week where he's lined up with Dre Kirkpatrick, mm. who's allowed the most fantasy points to Traquan Smith's primary side over the last month. So I just loved that setup in DFS at his price. So if Dez is going to be a nuisance, uh, let's hope it at least waits one week. But now nah, I really don't think this is a big fantasy impact. 
takes a while for those players to learn the playbook. And like I said, um, Peyton doesn't believe him. Sean Peyton does not believe Des Bryant to be in, quote, football shape just yet. And another interesting thing that I learned that is now it's going in my mind. So if Des has been told he needs to lose five pounds, when I talk to Martellus Bennett on Mostly Football, he says that most guys try to do that by dehydrating themselves, right? By like... Not yeah, he'll just pull a hammy then. Yeah, exactly. That'll lead to a, yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's that'll lead to some soft touch. And soft that's why he injury. thinks that um, Leonard Fournette got hurt because he was trying to cut weight, but he didn't do it the right way, and so that led to the soft tissue issues. Regardless, uh, the Saints are at the Bengals, and the Bengals have their own injury situations and woes primarily with A.J. Green, who's expected to miss two weeks. I'm surprised, frankly, it wasn't more with this toe issue. The real question, though, can Tyler Boyd be a number one receiver? Your thoughts? Yeah, at least two weeks. If I'm a green owner, I'd be happy if it's just that long. Tyler Boyd is really impressed this year. Man, no one even talked about this guy entering the year, and he's just been a huge breakout. He's my wide receiver seven this week. The Saints have allowed the most fantasy points to wide receivers, so I love him. But he's obviously, I mean, P.J. Williams has just been lit up by the mm-hmm. slot. Although it is unclear. They might move him around a little bit. A.J. Green was has played in the slot this season. But the other beneficiary here is, is John Ross, who's $10 in Yahoo DFS, practicing fully coming off that groin injury. I know the Saints have now added Eli Apple, but but that's a team that's allowed the well, most fantasy points. that doesn't scare me. That doesn't scare me. <laughs> right. They had to add him because they've allowed the most fantasy points to Ross's primary side this season in, in the NFL. So it's just such a fantastic setup for Ross to, to benefit from A.J. Green's absence here. I think it's also a benefit for the tight end C.J. Uzuma in this situation because you've seen previously when A.J. Green has been hurt and Tyler Eifert was actually on the field. Eifert was that second red zone threat. And I don't think they have a lot of prototypical red zone threats for Andy Dalton, who is not the most accurate passer to rely on. Tyler Croft is expected back, quote, at some point this season. So I I don't know when that's going to be. So I think C.J. Uzuma has uh, an opportunity as a red zone weapon, and he is only what, I think $14 in our daily game right now. So or he's $13, even cheaper than that. He's $13 in our daily game. My worry about Ross is that he won't be able to stay healthy. Yeah, yeah, I like that call as well with Uzuma because New Orleans ranks third in defense run DVOA. So they're going to have, Cincinnati's going to have to pass. Well, you're right. I mean, Ross is always at the risk of an in game pulling that hammy, but assuming he can stay on the field, uh, there's that, that tree got a lot narrower in, in Cincinnati mm-hmm. and they're going to have to throw the ball this week. And I like your point in DFS of him being so, so inexpensive. I want to talk about the trade deadline as well. Last week, the NFL had its trade deadline, but for a lot of fantasy owners out there, the trade deadlines are this weekend. We aren't quite as strict as the NFL. So, you know, Matt Harmon was on the show last week in your stead and admitted that he's, quote, pretty bad at trades. (laughs) So I want to take this time, regardless of that, to go over some trade strategy and look at some players who might be potential targets. Well, overall strategy, I must say, I am pretty bad as well. I mean, who has the time to go over other people's teams and all that? Maybe it's because I'm in too many leagues. Um, it comes with just, you know, being in the industry and whatnot. But, or maybe that's also having two kids now. But me, I send like a group email out and I just say, here's what I need and here's what I have in excess and get back to me if this if you see a fit there. And actually, it's worked better than me. Just Like I said, I, I, if I try to search out every team, I just know I'll put it off and never get it done. So that's been my general strategy. What about you, Liz? I don't like trades either. 
<laughs> we talked yeah, about this with yeah. Matt, mostly because I like the team that I fielded. However, I have pulled off of a couple of trades over the past few weeks. Scott Pianowski is an excellent trader, by the way. That is Fantastic. a guy who yes. knows, how to, knows how to trade. So maybe we should talk more about this with him on Sunday night because he can give <laughs> some real deep. I've The trades I've done this season, I actually have one waiting for him. My strategy for trading is whenever I receive a trade, I never accept. I always counter no matter what. Because you you can't just say yes. You can't give them everything immediately. Andy Barron sent me a trade this week. I countered. He said no, but hey, he's still thinking about it and still mulling and trying to get something done. And if you counter immediately, you know how thirsty the other person is, you know? So I like to know my rev- or my um, leverage in those situations. I also like looking at matchups, weeks 14, 15, and 16. We're now heading into week 10. So I want to know if, for instance, Dalvin Cook is on the table. He's got a great matchup in the Fantasy Super Bowl. That, to me, matters. And sometimes I like the idea of the, the numbers, like the two-for-one. Even if you're getting a stud, somehow there's a psychological thing for people about receiving two players if they're giving one, even if that one is worth much more than the other two. If the other two are maybe flex players, but you're getting a stud out of it, I am more than happy to give away bench players for a a big guy. Like all that, and also uh, definitely ask Scott Pianowski's opinion. He's a far, far better fantasy trader than myself. And as just to piggyback on your on your schedule point, certainly with the outliers, I pay f- real close attention to, you know, Baltimore just flat out looks like a defense you don't want to start fantasy players against. And, and conversely, Tampa Bay's defense is just so bad. Looking at their schedule, 14 through 16, a Saints matchup that first week of the fantasy playoffs. Can't wait to even see what the over-under looks like in that one. And then they actually face uh, the Ravens week 15 and then Dallas week 16. So, you know, if you're thinking it, you're confident you're going to have a uh, uh, you're going to be in that championship, and maybe you you boost a Zeke who's at home, you know, mm-hmm. in, that, in that Super Bowl uh, against uh, the Tampa Bay team. So, so I'm with you there, but really, I pay mostly attention there to the, to the outliers, the, the defenses that are on the extremes. Nice, I dig all that. Rather than just talking about strategy, let's be more specific and talk about players. When someone asked me, "Is there a player that you will pay out the nose for?" I immediately think of DeAndre Hopkins because no receiver is carrying his offense on his back like nuke for me right now totally with you and i don't own any shares of him and i have not used him enough in dfs i i made that change last week thankfully he has seen about four more targets per game without will fuller when playing with deshaun watson in his career yeah demarius thomas is there now he saw three immediate catches last week then wasn't targeted over the final what three and a half quarters that was weird but yeah i absolutely love new Hopkins, and and i'm with you buy high here it's certainly not a sell high for me he just i mean there's an argument he's the number one fantasy wide receiver i, I mean him and thielen i mean he certainly might have surpassed Antonio Brown. Whom, whom would you rather have between him and Brown moving forward, Liz? Oh, I would definitely take Nuke because he has just been a monster. And Antonio still has to complain to get the red zone looks. He's still competing for Juju Smith, Juju Smith-Schuster for some of those high-value targets. And we don't know what's going to happen with Le'Veon Bell. We don't know what's going to happen in that locker room. Give me the team that is surging forward, even with B.O.B. Uh, making some profane marks about opposing coaches. <laughs> So I like Nuke all over the place. And also, I just want to add, there may be a team that is tanking but happens to have Nuke, in which case, go get him. If there's a team that's out of the running but maybe just wants to stay spoiler, maybe they're not as, um, 
I don't know, paying attention as much now, or they just want to deal to make sure their record isn't horrible, that is a team to target for Nuke and just pay whatever. Go get it. I had Denver in the Super Contest. I'm fine with B.O.B.'s disparaging comments about the Denver coaching uh, last week. So <laughs> anyway, Liz, who, who, do you, who's your, who do you have? A, do you have a buy low then for, the, for this trade deadline? Oh, it's the same buy low that I've had since before they played Minnesota. And it's David Johnson. I really like Byron Leftwich blessing with all of that Bruce Arians good juju, this offense. You know, he was not, Rome was not built in a day and Byron Leftwich cannot be expected to rework the Cardinals offense in a week, but coming out of a bye, he's had now two weeks. I appreciated that he put words to action. He said his number one goal was to get Larry Fitzgerald more involved. He did that. Larry Fitzgerald had 10 catches over 100 yards. That was the first 100-yard effort that Larry Fitzgerald has had since Christmas Eve of 2017. He also got David Johnson more involved, and I think David Johnson has the talent to do much more, and I dig his schedule down the stretch, too. Yeah, the Chiefs do play better at home defensively, and they get Justin Houston back. But, man, I can't wait to see if, if they do get David Johnson in space more. Because the brief times they have, and, and they did last week a little bit more concerted effort, he still looked like the same back when he was you know, putting up all kinds of yardage totals. So love to see if Leftwich does come through and makes Johnson more of more of that space back. Quick buy low for me is uh, it's probably too late after last week, but if you can somehow get Duke Johnson before he goes even crazier this week mm. against Atlanta, it's just yeah. such a perfect matchup against the Falcons team that just lets uh, just invites opposing backs to catch passes. And obviously with the coaching changes there, Duke Johnson was much more involved last week. So like him this week. I like that too. Just last note, David Johnson, uh, week 14, Detroit, week 15 at Atlanta, week 16, the Rams who have had their fair share of troubles, though most of those in the secondary. So I think David Johnson, and I like the Duke Johnson. We we like, let's buy some Johnsons. That's what we're going with. We're going to sell some Nuke and buy some Johnsons. It's not code for anything. <laughs> not, I would never, ever. Come on. It's a family show. On that note, don't at me. Don't at me, bro. Or you can, if you want to talk about which players will determine whether or not you make your fantasy playoffs. Uh, I had a note from Howard Murdoch who said that his fantasy season is riding on Aaron Jones, which is a little bit sketchy because Jones could drop the season for him. Aaron Jones. I mean, where do we begin? Uh, <laughs> back when I was on FF earlier this week, I feel like every early this year, every question was about him. Then he turned out to a total flop against the Lions. But obviously a brutal lost fumble last week that completely flipped that game. I mean, they were going to go ahead in New England and instead suddenly you blinked and they were down 14. But this matchup, you just have to love. Uh, Miami's allowed the fifth most fantasy points to running backs. Packers nearly 10-point favorites at home. Jamal Williams is a total afterthought at this point. So Jones is definitely going to be frustrating week to week. I'm not telling you he's going to be some weekly starter, some workhorse suddenly. But for me this week, he's top 15 running back on my board. He's also a great value in daily fantasy as well. He's only $19, which is pretty cheap. Your hope here, right, is that Mike McCarthy doesn't continue to, quote, punish him. I don't think he has that. I I just don't think he has that um, luxury right now because of what you've said about Jamal Williams and the matchup. Aaron Jones, how many yards per carry is he racking up? He's just such a better athlete. So First first fumble of his career, too. First fumble of his career. I think Howard Murdoch is in pretty good hands here with Aaron Jones. <laughs> Mustacheless Eric says that, oh, this one hurts. This one hurts me. Dalton, Kenny, Kenny Galladay. 
Ooh. Oh, not only do I talk about him a ton on this podcast, as does everyone, I get it, uh, a lot of people's pet player, but man, I've, I've used him in DFS to my detriment the last couple of weeks, just five targets the last two weeks, including a modest four last week when, as after Golden Tate was traded, mm-hmm. I still believe in him, he's so talented, so many touchdowns have been called back by penalty, this year's numbers would look differently, I get the Bears defense is, is strong, but they've actually allowed the eighth most fantasy points to wide receivers, and I, and I like the fact that they're so strong against the run they just flat out do not allow rushing scores which leads to more passing scores I kind of like Stafford as a really cheap DFS option coming off you know just a disaster last week who would want to use him after 10 sacks I'm guessing they get that pass protection situated a little bit better and and Kenny Galladay bounces back for the rest of the season just keep him man the guy is a talent he's gonna blow up one of these weeks I guarantee it I would love to say that too my worry is this coaching staff because if you look at Galladay's numbers heading into the team's week six bye. In week five, nine targets, two in the red zone, caught four of those balls for 98 yards and a touchdown. Then the bye happened and things changed. Since the bye, he's had two targets, one target, four targets, zero red zone targets. That is seven targets over his last three games and six catches over his last three games. And again, zero red zone targets. I am worried that without Golden Tate doing what he does, being a yak goat, if you will, Jim Bob Cooter isn't able to run the offense that best serves Matt Stafford, that we've seen best serve Matt Stafford, because Kenny Galladay is not the player that is that quick Hitting. I mean, I believe most of his targets have been from under 20 yards out. That's not Kenny Galladay's game. Yeah, no question. It's been a disaster. I mean, seven targets in three weeks is, is really, really a problem. But you're going on some blind faith here. At least I am. And I believe in the talent. It's going to ultimately outweigh it and carry carry his owner to fantasy to the playoffs. I, I just think the loss of Tate, it didn't it didn't help last week, but it's eventually going to. I mean, the target share increase is going to help Kenny G. I'm I'm a full-on believer. The target share increase is going to help Kenny G. And again, what didn't show up in the stat line was the touchdown that was called back due to penalty and some of the other near big moments that he's had. My worry, though, when we talked about Traquan Smith earlier, is that, yes, this is an explosive talent. The volume just isn't there. So you are relying on these boomer bust big moments, which means I cannot trust him as anything more than a flex moving forward. Yeah, I mean, he had 21 targets the first two games this season yeah. and then nine nine before this bad stretch. So and I, it just, all I just expect that to go back. It's really frustrating. Yeah. yeah, I see no reason why it would not go back to that, especially without Tate now. But, I mean, it's crazy what it's been the last three weeks. I expected it to change last week, and it didn't. So, so maybe I'm wrong, but I'm still a believer, and I'm starting him for sure. So Bolts and Boost 213 has Josh Gordon as the uh, linchpin for his fantasy future I think that's a pretty good linchpin to have, frankly. He's coming off of a big game. He scored. Gronk isn't healthy. Sony Michelle is probably, it looks like, going to play as the other as the other red zone or goal line weapon. But Josh Gordon, we can see, certainly doing his damage. It doesn't matter whether or not he's late for practice. He's going to get fed, especially with injuries to these other key players. 
Yeah, it's just still so frustrating that New England got him for free. I just don't, I didn't understand at the time, and even more so now. Uh, Gordon looked good last week, maybe not back prime Gordon. That one massive year of the speed has not returned quite to that level, but taken off the injury report for the first time in New England. Hammy looks good to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now this week he gets the absolute Mm -hmm. best matchup possible with Malcolm Butler. Uh, He's among the absolute worst in fantasy points allowed per, per pass route this season. I have Gordon as my wide receiver 10. And frankly, I might even move him higher. So I absolutely love him. Malcolm Butler is allowing over 82 yards per week and has given up seven touchdowns on the season, including one to Amari Cooper. Do you need to know anything else? Gordon is going to feast this week. I think it's time for a little Rock'em Sock'em Ranks with Brad Evans and Andy Behrens. I'll let them continue Nick Mullins tonight and throw in a little Dion Lewis, who has an interesting revenge game, as well as some T.Y. Hilton love. Welcome to another exciting edition of Rock'em Sock'em Ranks. Uh, the season series, I had the slight edge 2-1. to one. Uh, we tied last week. The Barons is claiming victory erroneously. Highly controversial tie. Yes, erroneously. Highly controversial. Uh, because Geronimo Allison was one of the players we disputed, and we both cursed him because he had to undergo groin surgery. So condolences, Geronimo. The man went into the week injured. One of us was a little more skeptical about him uh, as a player, and uh, that one is not rewarded for his uh, for his. Uh, Ranks. So how, how are we going to determine the tie? Are we going to like mud wrestle? Uh, are we going <laughs> to are we going to like have a drink off? Because, you know, I'm going to smash you there. Uh, I mean, if um, you if you throw in any long distance running, I'm just not even going to participate. Yeah, I'm definitely not signing up for that. We're uh, we're going to go to penalty kicks. We're going <laughs> to settle this in New Orleans uh, via penalty, which kit. means both of us will undergo groin surgery as a result of that. <laughs> you do realize this. Right. All right. Let's That's get fine. into this week's edition here for week number 10. Uh, ranks disputes. Uh, we're going to toss out where we stand on a particular player, and you ultimately decide what side of the fence you're on. Let's start off the quarterback position. And Nick Mullins, I am buying into Mullins' mania after that brilliant performance, one that was historic in nature, Barons. I don't know if you realize this. Since 1950, only three quarterbacks in their NFL debuts have thrown for at least 250 yards and three or more touchdowns. Nick Mullins. Fran Tark. Wow, you gave us you gave us a little uh, Westwood One voice there. That was amazing. Well, it, it comes out from time to time. The old uh, old Tommy Radio voice. Hey, <laughs> buy your cracker jacks. Fran Tarkenton is also on that list, and Jim Kelly. So that's pretty esteemed company for Nick Mullins. But you're not buying that he will have an encore this week against the G-Men at home. San Francisco favored by three. You have him at QB twenty-five. I'm at QB fifteen. State your stance. First of all, it, it was really fun. It was it, it's a fun story. He's a fun kid. I I get it. Night, great. Woohoo. Yay, Nick Mullins. It was fun. Um I didn't learn anything about him from that game. Like it was the Raiders and the Raiders were absolutely terrible. And I'm not just like, oh look, where th-. this is not just a numbers thing. This was like watching every snap of the game as it played out and then rewatching all of his dropbacks. There's virtually no pressure on him. There's incredibly soft coverage. Two of the touchdown passes, the receiver actually went unguarded. Like, this is not a thing that happens in the NFL. This is not a an NFL-caliber defense. Like, Pierre Garçon ran down the middle of the field unchecked. No one on him. Not, not somebody fell, not, you know, obviously a blown assignment of some sort, but absolutely alone, like wandering alone in the wilderness alone. Um, <laughs> George Kittle had a walk-in touchdown near the goal. Like, 
this is no fault of Nick Mullins. He he did everything that you'd want him to do against a defense that was barely even a sparring partner. I just don't feel like I learned anything from him. And I, I like I don't think he'll get that experience again in the NFL. I certainly don't think he's going to get it against the Giants. Not that the Giants are like some juggernaut, some defensive juggernaut. We we know that they've, you know, they've made trades and they're kind of they've tapped out on the season basically. Um, it, it's another perfectly fine matchup, but it's not like Oakland. Um, he's never going to see a game like that again. Well, look, I understand that everybody in that wide receiver court for San Francisco were channeling Daniel Boone, as you mentioned, uh, you know, going, walking <laughs> through the wilderness all alone. People are like, who the hell's Daniel Boone? Look it up. History degree here. But I disagree. Look, I, there were a lot of things that were encouraging signs. Yes, a lot of the wide receivers were wide open, all kinds of blown coverages, people checking out for the Oakland Raiders. But the passes were precise. They were on time. I like the fact that he was aggressive down the field, uh, completed 72.7% of his attempts, a 151.9 passer rating. And as you mentioned it, the Giants are a shell what they were earlier this season because of the players they dealt off. Uh, Eli Apple now in New Orleans, Snacks Harrison on the defensive line with the Detroit Lions now. Uh, the Giants have allowed 7.4 yards per attempt, 252 yards per game, 1.4 touchdowns per game. Janoris Jenkins, B.W. Webb, and Haley, the guys that are remaining in that secondary combined, giving up a 108.5 passer rating. That's why I have Mullins at 250 and three touchdowns. Sound familiar? So there you go. That's why he's my QB 15. You're going to stick to QB 25. Let's go to Neon Dion Lewis, who got over 20 combined touches last week against the Dallas Cowboys, found the end zone, was dynamite uh, in that game on Monday night. Really a shocker special with uh, Tennessee springing the upset on the Dallas Cowboys on the road. I have him at 10 this week. You're at 20. I am driving down Revenge Street and happily will go Thelma <laughs> Louise on it if necessary. So tell me why you're so bearish on Dion going against his former employer. I would love to analyze why on earth this would be a revenge game for Dion Lewis. I mean, he got like he got a nice deal off of his time with the uh, with the he Patriots. Did. But whatever, whatever. He, he's a really good player. Um, and, and I view him as a, a reasonably solid RB2. If I'm going to rank a running back 10th or or certainly in the top 10, I want to see a path for that player to have just an enormous week, right? I, I want I want the plausible upside for that player to be exceptional. Like we're we're talking like 150 yards, two touchdowns, something like that. Not to say they're going to do it, but I at least want it to be in play. And full credit to Deion Lewis, he's he's handling a large workload. Last couple of weeks, I think he's averaged like 22 touches per game. His team is 30th in the NFL in uh, total net yards per game, and they are 30th in points per game. They average 16.8 points per game. So, man, um, it's just really difficult for me to consider whether it's Lewis, whether it's Mariota, whether it's Corey Davis, any any element of this offense as a rock-solid number one starter type um, given the terrible, terrible team contest. And, and that's completely fair, but I think this Titans team has turned a corner because of Deion Lewis's increased workload. I mean, he's gone over 100 total yards in consecutive weeks now. Uh, you look at the New England Patriots, I don't find this particularly that much of an intimidating matchup as the Pats have allowed 4.36 yards per carry, 148.3 total yards per game on the season. Lewis is uh, number seven, an elusive rating. He's forced a missed tackle 24% of the time, 2.91 yards after contact per attempt. You follow the volume, you follow the matchup, uh, and he's going to stay on the field all three downs for the most part, uh, whether it's a deficit or a surplus for Tennessee. So, I, you know, I, I just put it all together and I see another buck 20 and a touchdown. That's a top 10 output. So, all right. You continue to wave that team Raisins flag. I am full wave of 
<laughs> on Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis. I am going to get Team Raisins uh, jerseys. I, I think you should. I, I think you should wear that on the set in New Orleans for Fantasy Football Live in a couple of weeks. I think I'll, I will definitely do that at some point. It would point be very uh, becoming on you after we go on a ghost tour on Friday night. So uh, shout out to Rotoware in case you want to send me that for free <laughs> so I don't have to order it myself. Yeah, Kenneth Cashman <laughs> over there. We'll, he'll get on that right away. Uh, all right, let's transition out to wide receiver and T.Y. Hilton. Uh, I think this is a low-hanging fruit argument for you. You have him at wide receiver 24. For some sick, demented reason, I have him at wide receiver 15 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Indy at home. So, Barons, I'm assuming you're just uh, limiting his upside because of the matchup. Yeah, um, no disrespect to T.Y. Hilton, who is a wonderful player. Obviously, Andrew Luck, they're like wringing every bit of value out of Andrew Luck right now, too. The Colts are a fun story. Um, like, I appreciate that Jacksonville has uh, had some isolated games in which they have struggled, right? Carson Wentz carved them up. Um, that that much is is certainly true. They remain the NFL's number one pass defense. They're giving up about 190 passing yards per week, only 6.7 per attempt. That is number two in the league. They're still a defense that gets at you. Um, it, it would it would help them in no small way if Boye comes back as we speak right now. We don't know if he's going to play this week. Um, they still have Jalen Ramsey to deal with. They still have dominant players at every level um i am concerned about the defense i see a game here that could be i don't know 21 18 something like that like i just don't again this is another case where i just don't see a high scoring output here and i think hilton for the most part can get locked down in this one well look some of these underneath uh, weapons that jacksonville has gone up against they've had some success against them um you know cole beasley for example will fuller had six for 68 uh, a couple of weeks ago quincy and noon four for 66 uh, Sammy Watkins, six for 78. And that's where T.Y. Hilton makes his hay. It's on those crosses. It's on those curl routes. In fact, if you look at uh, the quantum edge and their great uh, numerics uh, that breaks all this stuff down, you know, Hilton has got a 108 uh, passer rating that he has compiled on curls and crosses combined. So I think he could work underneath, be able to shield himself, get enough separation. I mean, this is more of a trust your gut kind of play for me. But it's something around 65 yards and a touchdown. That's why I'm at 15. That's it. That's the only difference. I take it. I have some I have some Hilton shares out there, and I'm forced to play them this week. we got four teams on by, so I'll take it. It's fine. All right. Uh, so I'm staying at the Hilton, and Barron's is staying at the roach-infested uh, Days End. So congratulations there. <laughs> the Raisins Inn. Well, sure. uh, there goes our sponsorship opportunity for Days End. Uh, I hear it's a lovely hotel chain. Uh, that, <laughs> that's a wrap on this edition <laughs> of Rock'em Sock'em Ranks Loza. Back to you. Very informative. As always, gents, let's continue talking bargains. You like bargains, Dalton? You like in Who deals? doesn't love bargains? Oh, yeah, of course. Who doesn't? Are you a big Black Friday guy, by the way? Like the day after Thanksgiving? Are you are you standing in line at Best Buy to get a TV? Yeah, not really. I was being disingenuous about bargains also, by the way. I'm far too lazy to search those out. But you know what, though? Today's day, I will look and see like the TVs on sale on sale online for, for Black Friday. I will do that, actually. That that I certainly won't leave the house. But but nowadays it, it, that matters uh, online as well. So I will check that out possibly. Yeah. So here's what, what we know. Words? We know about Dalton. He does not leave the house. He enjoys paying full price uh, and he yes. loves Internet shopping. Yeah. Who wants to deal with people? They're the worst. <laughs> I love you. And I agree. So let's talk about some people who are daily fantasy bargains. 
just because there might be some coupon clippers out there. I'm going to start. Russell Wilson is only $30. I think he, against the Rams, could do some damage. Yes, he passed for under 200 yards last time he saw them in Week 5, but he scored a bunch of touchdowns, and the Rams' secondary is a mess. Marcus Peters is getting burnt. I don't think he's fully healthy. He hurt his calf and never missed time. Over the past two weeks, he's had Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas in his assignment and given up over 300 yards over the past two weeks. I mean, it's insane. Totally with you with both those. Uh, the Rams second. I mean, Peters has been a total disaster. I don't know what has happened there. He he would be better off just claiming he was injured or something, but that's that's definitely been a problem there. My bargains was John Ross. I already talked about him. Just $10, the absolute cheapest uh, Yahoo. So I, I definitely would try to, you know, that's a, a free square for me there. Marcus Mariota is the other one I want to talk about. The cheapest quarterback at $22. In general, definitely I would not pay up at quarterback this week. But Mariota, 7.9 YPA at home this, this, this year. Looking healthier, you know, last mm-hmm. week he could grip the ball finally. Running it. New England's allowed the six most fantasy points to quarterbacks this this year. So that's pretty good for the cheapest quarterback. So Mariota and Ross are my two bargains. What about uh, what about your fades, Liz? Uh, well, I have one more bargain. It's David Moore. Also, I would love a Russell Wilson, David Moore stack. Moore is only $18. He had his breakout game against the Rams where he scored two touchdowns. He's been everything that the team had hoped Brandon Marshall would be. He did not technically score a touchdown last week. And I also warn people that they might not want to start him and chase those touchdowns while he was in Casey Hayward's coverage, but he did during the the closing moments or the last moments of the game almost catch one in the end zone. So I think he can definitely produce again. And he's just a guy that people don't want to believe in because he's not a big name, but he did flash over the preseason and was talked up by Russell Wilson. So that is my other my other bargain. As for fades, I'm fading Philip Rivers. I know the Chargers have been on a tear. Six games in a row. Yes, they deserve a lot of credit, but $36 for Philip Rivers? The last time he played Oakland, who is their opponent this week, he passed for 339 yards and two touchdowns. That's low-end QB1 production. He was the QB11 on that week for $36, a third most expensive quarterback behind Pat Mahomes, Drew Brees, and Matt Ryan. Yeah, I agree with you. Like I said, I'm just not paying up at quarterback. Well, really any for most week, but certainly not this one. And, and this is a Melvin Gordon week for sure. Uh, that the Raiders have given up, though. I mean, Rivers will probably be so efficient, only throw the ball twenty times and probably exactly. four will go for touchdowns. But you're, you're, no, I'm with you though. You can't, you can't pay for this. The, the game script here sets up far more for the ground game. I would rather pay up, as you're saying, for Melvin Gordon, who last time oh, he yeah. saw the Raiders managed 120 total yards plus a score, and that was back in Week Five. I have one more fade, and I, I don't think you're going to agree with it. It's Kenny Galladay. I was hoping you'd say it. I, I, I was hoping you'd say it because I saw that you wrote down the name Kenny Galladay here. So you are going to fade him in DFS. I love it. So we're, we're, we're against each other here because I actually used him in my optimal lineup on the Yahoo site. Um, and I plan on using him uh, on the ones that count this weekend. So, so we'll see. It's probably to my detriment again because the last couple of weeks have been horrendous. But well, I'm, a, a, I'm a believer. I'm going to give him one more try. Because he's $19. Larry Fitzgerald is the same price. And I have Larry Fitzgerald projected for seven catches and 77 yards. So do I think that Kenny Galladay can beat that? Not with his current volume. 
Yeah, Gallaudet adds a far more upside for touchdowns. I got you. Fitzgerald definitely will be safe, and there'll be volume there. Kansas City's really only held, like, I think they're passing yards against the last 10 games at home, something low, like 220 or something. But but I hear you. He's certainly a higher floor. Gallaudet will probably probably put up another goose egg and make me look like a fool. Let's not go that far, okay? Like, it's okay. <laughs> what about other fades, though? Who are you not right, feeling? I, I am fading Julio Jones at $33. Uh, finally scored last week for the first time. Still has not seen a red zone target since week one. And this Browns defense is just like a perfect run funnel defense. They're second in pass defense DVOA and 30th in run defense DVOA. So more Tevin Coleman, Judge Ito Smith. I also have Matt Ryan a little bit lower this week. So I would much prefer, obviously, Julio Jones are starting in season long and he's uh, you know top 10 wide receiver. But I would much rather prefer to pay for a top back such as Melvin Gordon, uh, Kareem Hunt, or, or Kamara this week than, than a Julio Jones at $33 in DFS. Before we leave, Dalton, I want to get your thoughts, and I'm throwing this at you. I haven't let you prepare at all. Most of our shows aren't super prepared because we want to give you the organic experience. Is there a particular matchup or situation that you're keeping an eye on this weekend moving forward? You don't have to make a prediction about it, but just what's something you're staying mindful about? Well, honestly, just personally, I'm really curious how Nick Mullins plays, but that's boring. Uh, no, no one really wants to to know uh, about that one. So on the spot here, it's an ultimate letdown game after what they played recently. And Cincinnati coming off a bye at home outdoors. I'm super, super curious how, how, how New Orleans reacts and, and if they can come through and still play their A game. Because if so, that team has the, you know, the upside mm-hmm. to win the Super Bowl. And if they treat Kamara... I'm curious, but this game not as important with the Rams. Will they continue to give them as many touches as they had recently? So I'll say New Orleans getting outdoors in Cincinnati. I'd say that game, the morning game, I'm the most interested in. Interesting. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I'm keeping an eye on the Jaguars defense coming out of a bye. They are at the Colts. And Andrew Luck has not been sacked since Andrew Costanzo has been back in the trenches for him. If the Jaguars cannot sack Andrew Luck who's admittedly that O-line coach has been a Harry Potter level wizard. I don't know if he's a muggle or a Gryffindor or Dumbledore. I don't know any of that stuff, but he's been awesome with a wand and a clipboard. But if the Jaguars can prove to me that they're back and put some pressure on Andrew Luck, then I think that's going to be informative moving forward. That is an interesting game because the Colts have looked so good recently, but it's been against such weak mm-hmm. competition. And A.J. Boye is out, so that kind of came out of nowhere, too. So that, that's definitely another interesting game, and I agree with uh, that'll be a fun one to watch. All right, so you tell us what interesting games and matchups you're keeping an eye on, and you can do that by tweeting us at Yahoo Fantasy. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at LizLoza underscore FF, and that's at Dalton Del Don. We'll be back with Scott Pianowski and Matt Harmon on Sunday night. In the meantime, win big.